Do you remember the scene in Mean Girls where Katie is talking to Mrs. Nurbury and uh, Tina Fey's character says she's a pusher? And you know why? Because I'm a pusher. I push people. I pushed my husband into law school. That was a bust. I pushed myself into working three jobs. And now I'm going to push you because I know you're smarter than this. It's a classic scene. So that's, that's you. Hmm. You are Mrs. Norbury. And, and, you, and you're kind of a, a big pusher. How so? Uh, open the link. Oh. Uh-huh. So that, this, this plays really well well over the radio but you've you've just uh you've just sent me a photo yeah you're you're a bad person (laughs) yeah uh uh-huh yep yep yeah welcome welcome my friend i kind of i kind of figured this would happen you faked me out let's see how long we can go until we actually say what we're talking about you you faked me out what was that very shortly after i bought my oled tv you sent me a a best buy confirmation no, that 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 was legitimately for hard drives, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I will send you the whole receipt. Uh, no, that that wasn't it. Um. Well, in, in any case, the photo that you've just sent me is the fifty-five inch uh, LG. Is this the the B seven, the C seven? What do you got? Oh no, I'm a, I'm a high roller. I got the E seven with the, the unnecessary soundbar. The E seven. I'm kidding. Uh, there is an E7, and yeah, that's the no, one that, I know. That's the one that Merlin accidentally bought. Um, isn't it, isn't that a isn't that quite a bit more expensive? It is, and the difference is that it has a sound bar that's bundled in, right? And the d- the design is slightly different. Although I don't really understand what could be different about it. So actually, so I I can tell that you have the C7 based on this photo because of the black bezel. The B7 has a uh, kind of a silverish gray bezel. Yeah. So yeah, you're kind of you're kind of a a big pusher. But it looks real good, right? Uh, currently, like I I didn't really need a dining table anymore. So I think this is this is gonna work out great. So yeah. So we we also just like the picture you have here. We have ours just on a um just on the, on the the TV stand. And I, I'm happy that I think, so this weekend we're going to tackle wall mounting it. And I don't think we have to change the height of our brackets because the, the piece, the, the, with the mount that I bought, the, the brackets that connect to the back of the TV are, they're, they're very adjustable height wise. And so by sliding those up compared to where I had them on the Samsung, I, I think it's going to be within about an inch or so of how the Samsung was, which is fine. Sliding them up? Well, so because, it, well, because the, the problem is that the LG has them way down at the bottom, which means that would be the opposite. No, no, no. Well, so I mean, so, so that they're, well, maybe I'm not explaining this correctly, but reorienting them such that they're in a similar position as they were on the Samsung. So it compensates for the difference in positioning of the of where they where the brackets kind of screw into the back of the TV. I mean, I, well, we'll see. I mean, I haven't actually done it yet, but I, I measured it out all last night and it seemed like it was going to work OK because I really didn't want to have to go through the process of you know remounting the the bracket that goes into the wall yeah so okay so walk me through here 
your no, decision well, making like, process is, is well, it we, just a simple <laughs> it's just that you're a bad person like again uh-huh. this like this is really simple like this, this isn't like tax reform this is there's there are no layers here yeah bad decisions trickle down from the top <laughs> um now and and you know what let's 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 get this on the record this is all troy's fault yeah that's that's true this is like literally i, I like uh, it, the, the term is you applied differently but th- this is a hardware virus right like he this just keeps keep, this keeps going and and it, it's it, it's a great tv it, it's it's really good i mean i you know we've the the timing with buying the tv we, we've been sort of busy and haven't been home a lot since we've bought it but i've i've watched clips of things here and there and i mean it just it i mean again like i said on the show last week i mean even you when you just stare not even at the the screensavers on Apple TV, but literally just the the main menu. It just it just looks so much better. Well, <clears throat> and so yes, I've I've watched a couple of things on it, and it, and it looks pretty good. But the thing is, um, like the three most frequently used apps that I have, would, which would be HBO Now, um, Netflix, and YouTube, all the design is all heavily gray and black on the background. So even just, even just searching for things looks. Is is a very pleasing experience, right? Right. Well, but I, actually, I thought where you were going to go with this was a slightly different direction, which has been an issue on the iPhone 10 as well. Which is a lot of these apps that have a kind of in air quotes dark mode use some shade of gray as opposed to just pure black. So, like for example, Marco Arment noticed that, and there's a new option in Overcast now where you can go to, I forget what he calls it, but like pure dark mode or something. And it's literally just, you know, black. So like on the iPhone 10, you're looking at, you know, a pure black background, which is text on top, which looks awesome. But you compare that to something like the Washington Post app, where even in its dark mode, it's all gray, which sort of takes away some of the benefit of the, you know, enhanced black levels that you get with OLED. <sighs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't have a whole lot to share about it because I've only had it for like a day and a half. Um, yeah, I, there's, there's a couple of things that it seem really strange to me that I don't like off the bat and I'll get used to, but, um, what's that? I, I don't like the Wiimote thing. No, I, yeah, I, I don't care for that either. But it, like I said last week, I mean, how often do you really play with your TV menus? Switching inputs? No, that, that, well, that's the thing where like, so the interface, I like, I, I, I I had been optimistic about this because, like everybody says, it's run, it runs WebOS, and I've always been a big WebOS fan. And I'm like, and I and I generally don't like the Vizio and Samsung things, so I was I wanted to be really positive about it. But every part of it is like this; it's like a cartoony interface. Like I really don't like the the little red selector thing where if you accidentally like don't adjust the volume properly, or you hit that little like weird scrolly thing in the middle, where just like this weird like Mario Kart red selector thing overlays over your video don't care for it yeah and there's just no input button on the remote there's there's a lot of weird stuff um and also i could be wrong but like it seems like no matter how you adjust the picture settings um like the volume changing overlay and that fucking thing that says dolby vision all the time in the top right that like appears to at full brightness regardless yeah Mm -hmm. and i i really don't like that uh-huh so we'll see I'll, I'll i'll give it a week or two like i like the the picture quality is phenomenal so like it doesn't it doesn't matter it's not like i'm going to 
haul it back to B&H, but right. Uh, it's pretty good. So what have you done anything with the Samsung TV or is this all still very much a work in pro- process? What's what's going on there? Oh, you you can see that it's facing the wall in shame behind the <laughs> dining room table. Uh, like it knows what it did. Yeah. <laughs> and it knows the, the shameful backlight bleed and then it's <laughs> dishonor to every flat panel TV to come for it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's on Craigslist. I like, I just give it to you and <laughs> you can, <laughs> right, yeah. you can, you can give me a low ball price and you deal with it. Uh-huh. Um, um, well, I'll give you, so I actually ended up selling mine. So I had mine posted three different places on eBay, on Craigslist eBay. and hmm? eBay. Yeah, you can do local pickup only on eBay, which I found out just before, hmm. like as I was um, as I was looking for ways to sell it. Um, but then something I thought of actually a couple of days after I had put it on eBay and Craigslist was Facebook Marketplace. And I ended up selling mine the same day that I posted it on Facebook Marketplace. I posted it at, I don't know, two or three in the afternoon and it was sold by you know, nine o'clock that evening. Hmm. So food for thought. Yeah. Hard to get rid of big electronics. Turns out also because it doesn't have the stand. Like I, yeah, I'm talking, to, I'm talking to somebody right now and I'm like, you do realize this has no stand, right? Like, I don't want a situation where you come and you're like, Oh, there's no stand. And it's gonna be awkward. So there's no stand. yeah, we, I mean, we did the same thing. We didn't keep the stand for ours. And yeah, I, I made it really, really clear in the postings that, hey, you know, this thing's in really good shape. I've got the remote, of course, but I do not have the stand. But I mean, third-party stands are widely available, and I don't think very expensive. And they're, it's all, you know, Visa standards, so. Hmm, they make mounts now. I thought they only did payments. Huh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Medicaid Carlos is not as funny as <laughs> Um. Okay, so that's that. Well, c- c- congratulations more uh, i guess more to more to come yeah i think this is gonna make me i'm not gonna say this is life-changing technology but i think it's gonna make me watch more uh more movies and stuff because like that's the one thing it's like the the the, the, the other tv was just so bad i was spoiled for a long time having a plasma that i eventually got rid of and thinking lcds were fine and, and they're not fine they're they're very they're very bad tvs the yeah that that, that samsung in particular was just it was just bad bad tv yeah all right uh what kind of follow-up do you have well man i i don't really know how to top the follow-up that you just had Um, that wasn't that wasn't follow-up though that was just you being a bad person (laughs) um i mean i I don't know if this if this technically counts as follow-up but we've we've been hinting for some time now that there's some angst or some cactusness Mm-hmm. making that up around oh, I don't know this is um around casper for you i feel like maybe oh. maybe we can finally uh you know finally close the loop as you would say on that yeah maybe not really like i think we've talked about it at length like well i just hate my casper mattress and and unfortunately i just didn't they i feel like i just settled with it even though they have their liberal return policy i'm like no i just i just don't like the like <laughs> i don't like the company that much anymore because uh, one, and, and I brought this up to you earlier in the week, uh, offline, online. D- have you given a listen to to Galen's um, gerrymandering thing? I, it's it's in the queue, but I haven't listened to it yet. But it's it's definitely high up on my list. 
So it's pretty good, but the thing is, and and I sometimes have a problem with podcasts that do this too, where it's it's just so the podcast advertisements and tie-ins are just so. It's not that they're heavy-handed or like too, like obvious. It was just like so weird. Like um, like I'm, I sent you a thing. Let me try to figure it right back. Uh, one of his ad reads was: "You might say that Democrats fell asleep on the job during the 2010 midterms." Well, maybe some of the Democrats were having a really great sleep on Casper mattresses. <laughs> like, I swear to God, that was in there. Like, that's, that's, I don't know, it's kind of weird. So, so they're ubiquitous podcast advertiser that makes a super mediocre product. Um, it's a very uncomfortable mattress. Uh, on Monday, I finally got the mattress topper because I'm tired of um, getting four hours of sleep, even if I try to sleep for 10 hours and it's, it's, and waking up with like an achy back. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but there was also, I forget if it was Fast Company, because this has been in the show notes for like six six months. Um, somebody did a big thing about their sketchiness related to um, giving away free mattresses and doing kind of sketchy things with review sites to try to uh, stamp out uh, negative reviews and to uh, garner uh, more favorable coverage, um, including going so far as to buying a like mattress review website if i'm not mistaken again it's been a really long time since i read the article but yeah this is a it's a it's a recode article and we'll we'll put this in the notes here yeah um so i mean like i don't know like it's you want all these companies to be great um just because you're like you, you want and we were talking about off we were talking about just before the show and i won't retell any like the sensitive details but you, you somehow it was brought up that there was um a hoover smart vacuum like and you, whenever a company comes up with a um, a newer idea, and they're not like a big incumbent player trying to just like do the new thing, like you really want them to be the best. Like you want them to succeed and and be a disruptor, as some people would say. But I don't know. Like Casper just seems like kind of a shitty company. Like they're they they made their one size fits all mattress. And it's like oh, this is a new and novel way to to sell mattresses, and we have this great return policy and blah blah. But then like uh, six months ago, they make um, this mattress that costs like two thousand dollars, and so it's no longer we we've made one perfect mattress. They are now going to diversify their lineup and and do many mattresses, which which is fine. But if your entire business was marketed on two years of uh it, there is only like we've engineered the what's their thing just the right sink and just the right bounce like all all that nonsense that they have been saying on podcasts for years i don't know like and just the, the review thing just seems sketchy so i don't know i i don't care for them and it's it's kind of a bummer that's sort of the scrappy underdog all of a sudden becoming kind of the type of company that they were looking to disrupt in the first place exactly exactly like once once you get a, a like a, a threshold you meet the threshold of success well then you're now just regular any other company we're like oh shit we, we we need different price points to 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 we we have this captive audience and we, we could be making more money off certain people because there's this underserved or there, there's this um segment of the market that uh is willing to pay more and blah 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 right yeah and and uh, so let's put uh like a chapter marker, but um, Eero, because I, I this is not re this is related, but not in the same negative tone. But we we were talking about this uh, offline as well, where like they're a company that makes something that seems pretty cool. I've had my issues with some like dropped connections and stuff, but where they're no longer kind of content with just selling you 
what is like supposed to be the superior innovative product that just literally everything's a subscription now. And like, I, I went to restart my Eero cause it was, it was being weird earlier this week. And in the past two times I've opened the app, it dumps you into a thing that's trying to sell you the, the Eero plus or whatever the $10 a month thing is. So you get like phishing protection. I think that was what prompted me to bring that up again to you this week offline. Cause we, we've mentioned this before, but it it just it keeps getting more and more egregious where I think in the past not even week, like just past couple of days, I've had that exact same thing happen where I've opened the app and I've been immediately given like an interstitial ad for Euro Plus. I've also gotten multiple emails from them, which I've now unsubscribed from. It's 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 very it's very aggravating to buy a product and think that you have access to kind of all it's capable of and then later on find out that new features are going to be blocked behind this this paywall that they've set up and well so this one again i i still have a very favorable opinion of them but and and that's what you got to do like i mean you you need recurring revenue that's that's the new thing nobody likes somebody who buys something once and to their credit Eero has not removed as far as i can tell they're not pulling a canary they haven't removed. Well, they actually. Well, speaking of follow up, they they Canary this week did they, they backtrack, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they brought back night mode to the to us non subscribers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think they call you the 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 ninety nine percenters or or sorry, the yeah the the non the non MRRs the the, the non contributing class. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. So yeah, like I mean, but it's, but yeah, I don't think Eero. They're they're it's like a value add thing, where you get enhanced tech support and you get apparently they're selling there's they're bundling in one password and some type of like remote VPN thing. It, so it's like become a it's become a very odd like what's the elevator pitch for Eero Plus now? Uh, weird network shit. Well, <laughs> this is this is the it's the Norton Internet Security subscription bundle of 2017. God, I haven't thought of that. Well, actually, I, I was going to say I haven't thought of that in a long time, but that's not entirely true because, and we'll put this in the notes, and maybe you'll mention this later. There's a holiday great little yeah, holiday tech support video from Joanna Stern mm -hmm. of the Wall Street Journal, and she makes a joke about antivirus software at the end of the video, which of which at which point I thought, yeah, man, remember antivirus software? I do, but doesn't doesn't Microsoft now? I haven't used Windows in forever, but like, don't they have like something called Bitdefender or Windows Defender? Like, don't they already have antivirus built in? Kind of, kind of, yeah. I I don't know if I would describe that as antivirus software in sort of the traditional f term, but yeah, I guess that's what it's become now. It ha it has definition updates and everything like like you'd expect. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe it is just like the the old school Norton stuff. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, sideways thumbs, Euro, a big thumbs down to Casper. Tired tired of your nonsense. So your so your solution to to close the loop here again, as you would say, on the Casper situation, mattress topper. How how's that working out? Uh, so again, I slept on it once last night. I I woke up feeling better. I don't know, like it. Yeah. So do you like a a firm mattress or a soft mattress? Both. Okay. That's the thing that's tricky. That's the thing that was that was nice about this mattress have, topper. Have you considered get... sleep number? Here's the thing with those, like. God, we're never going to start the actual program. I don't mind investing money in something that's going to be good. Not that I have like 
like I've like <laughs> as, I, I, as you've demonstrated in the past week, which will which will, that's your whoa whoa whoa. <laughs> are you? Well, it's not just the TV. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll are, come, are you? We'll come back. We'll come back to the you, rest of it. You, you, it, it um, would, I, I actually I I talked you into I think I probably talked you into both purchases. <laughs> which which purchase? Well, the other one that we'll get to later. Okay, but the T the T you set somebody up. It, it was entrapment, and <laughs> you, uh, you uh, yeah. It's all your fault for recommending that stupid Samsung in the first place. It's your fault for everything. Okay, <laughs> nice cutback. Um, uh, now now you're marking up this bill and you're putting stuff in the margins, and this is this is just not happening. Um, now the the big yeah, the big OLED lobbyists are are you know so two the two things on the TV one I think that big Black Friday sale is just now the regular price of the TV because it has not gone back up um yeah it's still sixteen ninety nine no that was yeah that was supposed to expire I think <laughs> December twenty eighth or something or uh, September tw- or God November twenty eighth I think uh, you you're trying to go back in time to relive the Trump presidency <laughs> I like it okay um. Yeah, that, I mean, that that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, on that TV, I look forward to a lot of beautiful burn-in. Cause, uh, oh, no. Uh, is, that, is that a thing? Oh, it definitely is. Because here's the thing. I've been playing around with it. And um, on the 4K Apple TV... Well, actually, and more things. Oh, this is going to take forever. So I was opening up the Pandora app because my Pandora Premium ex- uh, thing finally expired. So And I'm back to Pandora Plus or whatever their radio-only thing is because I'm not going to pay for duplicate services. Um, on the 4K Apple TV, like the the it, the uh, like the text and everything, it's just so clear and nice. It's it's very it's very pretty, and the because it's OLED, um, like just everything is so uniform and clear and perfect on the screen. But yeah, apparently, um, burn-in is kind of an issue on these. Like it's not terrible. It's not like early generation plasma stuff, but it is a thing. So you have to be careful. And I was looking through the menu, and it does look like the um, the TV has some built-in like pixel shift stuff that will help mitigate that. But since I'm somebody who will generally, like if I'm home just doing stuff and not watching TV, like I'll just leave like ESPN or CNBC on in the background where you kind of have somewhat static like images on for a while, that makes me kind of nervous about this. Huh. Yeah, I I guess I wasn't aware that burn-in was a thing yeah yeah hmm. so anyway where was i going with this should we you want to start the show sure um i'm still looking at this thing on the oh never mind we haven't talked about that yet never mind mm-hmm. yeah you're yeah huh it's been a bit of an expensive week for you no sorry we we're talking about firm versus <laughs> that's what this is about firm versus soft mattresses oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You suggested sleep number. That's the thing where I don't know, like, because it's, it's the same thing that Casper talked about in all their ads that were, in hindsight, super deceptive. Um, where, like, you can't trust a mattress that you've uh, sat on awkwardly in a showroom for five minutes. How are you going to know? You, that's why you have to buy our one perfect mattress. But that's the thing with, um, like, I don't mind if I was going to invest in, like, a very nice, comfortable mattress. Again, for all the reasons that Casper's ad reads say. Um, but yeah, like those sleep number and the Tempur-Pedic, all, all those things are like just super expensive for something that could be a gamble. So I don't know. Cause I do kind of like, like, I don't know. It's just the, the Casper mattress was just never satisfying in any way. It wasn't like excessively firm, but it also wasn't very soft. It was just uncomfortable. Um, 
That's so it's so interesting. We, even it's been over a year now with ours and consistently we've been doing kind of a, more traveling than usual this year and no matter the hotel or Airbnb, wherever we go, we always come back and think, man, this Casper mattress is by far and away more comfortable than anything else we've slept on. That is super interesting because I've never, like every, literally every hotel mattress I've slept on is more comfortable than this thing. Huh. Uh, maybe I like, but again, I'm older than you and I just have back problems. Like it just, yeah. everything, everything hurts all the time. So maybe that's it. Yeah. I mean, except for the part where you're younger than me, but we, we can come back to that. On inside and out, I'm older than you. Birth certificate wise, I don't know. Let's 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 see what they say. I gotta see gotta see the long form birth certificate. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it's definitely a personal preference thing. But so uh, b- before the Casper mattress, I had had just a, a hand me down mattress from a family member, and it that mattress was not particularly comfortable, but. I ended up getting a couple of extra years out of it by buying one of those foam mattress toppers. I think I just got it from Costco. And again, it's it's very much a personal preference thing. I it, especially with something like that, it's you either love it or hate it kind of thing. But I I really liked that a lot, and that ended up again giving me yeah at least a couple of extra years of life out of out of that mattress. But I, I, but I don't, I don't know if that's your, if that's, if that's your style or not. Well, no. In in the past, I've had one. So in, and I had no issues at the time. So we'll see. Oh, I, I hope so. Well, I mean, the, 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 like, but the foam, the foam topper, it, like, in some ways, it almost doesn't even matter what mattress is underneath it, because really, all you feel is the, is the foam. Hmm. So I could just, I could just replace this Casper with like old phone books. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um. All right. So yeah. So five five thirty eight gerrymandering series is very interesting, but uh, yeah, heavy handed Casper, and then yeah. Uh. So you you said you had no follow up. Uh. No. I I think uh I think we we've we've covered it with the the mattress stuff. Okay. So this is the last bit of follow up that probably verges on a full topic. Uh. We've talked at length about Apple Pay slash NFC slash tap payments in general. Um, and that one of the biggest holdouts so far has been Target. Um, and it looks like they have uh, finally kind of solidified uh, what they want to do in this area. So this week, as part of their like new app, where in the past, have you ever used anything uh, like an app called Cartwheel? No. Okay. So they have a like a coupon promo app where like you'll be walking down the aisle and it'll say like, save, save $10 off $50 of groceries. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, they used to have a separate app called Cartwheel, and then they had their standard Target app. And earlier this year, they merged them into one single application, um, which kind of hinted that they were going to try to unify something and maybe roll out a wallet service. But yeah, that finally happened this week, where their whole thing is that you will now combine the Cartwheel coupons and stuff like that and link your Target red card um, to pay via barcode in their store. So this is going to be their strategy instead of just um, embracing Apple pay and other uh, payment technology that consumers have shown that they actually like, they are going to, and not that I'm not passing judgment. This isn't a good or bad thing. I mean, it's kind of a bad thing, but they're using their market position and millions of customers to try to push forward their own semi-proprietary wallet 
technology thing to avoid supporting Apple Pay and NFC payments for as long as they can um, and try to get those people on board using this instead. Yeah, I mean, that I'm conflicted too because I, like you, think this is annoying and I wish that we really could just get behind a single standard like Apple Pay. But if I'm being honest about it, I I get why companies like Target feel like they want their own platform. I mean, presumably they get a lot more data and they get to control the entire customer experience end to end. They don't have to worry about any sort of third party integrations. It It, it makes total sense, but it is just super disappointing that you, there's not like a single kind of, you know, payment platform that it, it you don't have to worry necessarily about where you're shopping. You just, you always know that you're going to pay the same way, but I, I just, we're just not going to, we're just not going to get there, at least not in the short term. Yeah. I mean, cause here's like that's and that's the tricky thing where this isn't necessarily customer unfriendly, but it's not customer friendly either, which would be, cause like their whole, th- I mean, when you think about uh, how, how many? Hold on, let's see. Uh, anyway, so if, if you think about a company that has as many stores as Target does, um, and I can't find that. Thanks for nothing, Google. Um, and how many millions of customers that they have? Like, it's it's not insignificant to think that you can um, eliminate a two to two and three quarter percent transaction charge on the billions of dollars in payments you're taking each year so it's it's super tempting to try to do like a roll your own solution i mean that's that's one of the reasons beyond just trying to increase customer spend um and customer loyalty through your own branded credit cards the reason best buy and target and everybody else try to push their own credit cards so hard is that that um helps them get favorable rates on credit card processing uh, versus just somebody using like a Chase Visa or something at your store. So like it's super understandable that they're going to try to do this. And also like like you pointed out, it's totally right that they're going to get uh, much more business insight into customer spend habits doing something like this. But in the end, like I don't, I'm not – because I, I, I want to say that I don't think this will take off. But the thing is – uh, Walmart has reported it like, cause they've been doing the same type thing for, I think almost a year now and they've had pretty decent traction on it. Like, I'm sure it's not like over 10% of like in-store transactions, but like they're doing okay with it. And I assume that like, there's not like, nobody's ever going to boycott target cause they don't support uh, NFC or something, but like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to, to find which interest you're going to align with when it means that you could basically be taking home and returning to shareholders another 2.5% on the vast majority of your transactions if you make things slightly less convenient for people. Yeah, exactly. Well, but I mean, but in their view, they might think that this is actually making it more convenient because you have your entire target shopping experience all within one app. I think people like you and me would probably disagree with that, but I, I could see that argument made then what what happens when the little old lady who has transitioned from writing checks does target even take checks anymore oh yeah i, I, would, I would think so like the person who's transitioning from something like that and is now doing this and what if they're like oh no it, the target app logged out and i'm trying to pay for my for my groceries and my medicine like or like my prescription 
and she's trying to figure out how to reset her password. Like, how does that, how does that work? So uh, this is only tangentially related, but I've been wanting to bring this up on the show, and I think this is a good segue to do so. Apple, Apple Pay with the iPhone X has kind of taken a big step back. Mm-hmm. So, let, so let me, let me, let me f- kind of walk you through this. So Pete's, very common Apple Pay location for me, right? So typical workflow there, you put in your order, you know, as you're putting in your order, you're opening the Pete's app or you open the Pete's app while you're in line so that you can do the whole little check-in thing, which is just a, a barcode that they scan on your phone with a, a separate reader outside the NFC reader. So you do that. And then it used to be with, you know, an iPhone that had Touch ID, you could then just slide the phone over to the NFC reader, hold your thumb down and process the payment. But the way that Apple Pay works on the iPhone X, of course, is you double tap the side button, which brings up the Apple Pay screen, kind of similar to how it works on the watch. You then have to authenticate with Face ID and then hold the phone in front of the NFC reader. So you're holding your phone out in front of you, then you're bringing it back to your face, double tapping the button, doing Face ID, and then bringing the phone back to the NFC reader, which is totally a a worse experience. And of course, I had this happen last week or the week before, where the woman behind the cash register at Pete's goes, oh, you just did the face thing, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I, I did. It's, it's just, it's just not a, and it's you, not and you a, felt shame. I, I did, I did feel shame. Although part of, part of the blame lies with Pete's and the just perplexing location of their NFC readers. But uh, the, the bigger issue is just, Apple Pay on the iPhone 10 is is again taking I think a a big big step back. Cuz even even in a situation where you don't have an action to do before like checking in at Pete's, I've also had it happen where at like Walgreens I've just forgotten to authenticate with Face ID prior to holding my phone up against the NFC reader. So now it's like oh crap, I hold on, I have to like bring the phone back to my face, authenticate, then put it back in front of the reader. So let me ask, because again, I don't, I don't have an iPhone 10, but this based off experience with people who do and, and just watching people, do you find, or is, is it true that like, it seems like the phone, when it wakes up either by lifting it up or you tap the screen or something like it's super, super aggressive about trying to authenticate with face ID so that even if you just barely touch the phone, like it just gets mad that you're not unlocking it. So I've, I've, yes, I've, I've had, I've had that happen, but I've also had it the opposite direction where, and this, this happens a lot with raise to wake where I'll I'll raise to wake, but then I, I don't have the phone like quite at the right angle for face ID. So it's just sitting there with the lock on and then I'll tilt it literally just a tiny bit more forward and then it authenticates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, face ID is... We we can do I guess a full check in on that at some point, but it's like it's 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 fine, but it's it's not it's not great. Like I think the next generation of Face ID, whether we get that in 2018's phone or maybe 2019's phone, I I think that'll be really good. But Face ID now is it's it's just it's just kind of a half step behind where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's not it's not a full on disaster, but it it's it's not it's not spectacular either. I've been a little I've been a little confused behind the the glowing praise I've heard about Face ID in a lot of places. I don't I don't quite don't quite get that. It could be a competing theory. People don't want to be mad about their eleven hundred dollar purchase, <laughs> so therefore they will Perhaps. lie to themselves. It's like when you're on vacation and you have to tell yourself tell yourself you're having a great time because if you don't, then you just want to uh, walk into the lake and not. I mean, I, I will, I will, I will say though, just to 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 end that topic on a slightly positive note. I mean, I would say even a year ago, maybe six months ago. The idea of unlocking my phone with my face would was kind of just a science fiction thing, and so it it is it is kind of cool that it it mostly just works. Um, that's that's Apple's slogan. <laughs> they, they they might want to consider that. Yeah. Who, who's in, who, who's who's the marketing guy? Schiller. No, isn't he VP of product? Who's oh, oh he well he was head of marketing I think prior to that right? Yeah, so they should they should take that and run with it. What do you say? It mostly it sometimes mostly just works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to push back on that because I, I it, the fact that it's cool doesn't change the fact that it's decidedly worse. Like I because it, it like it being cool matters for the first week. But then I think you settle into a spot where it's just you're like this. This is this is grating because it's I had something that actually worked before, and now this doesn't. And in very in some small, narrow use cases, it's better. But I I just don't. I don't know. Yeah, I I I've, that, that's that's a tough sell. Yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Real time follow up. Target operates a hundred uh, thir- uh, eighteen hundred thirty four stores in the United States. There you go. Target is often recognized for its emphasis on the needs of younger, image-conscious shoppers. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Just like you and me. Yep, yep. Uh, the the much-coveted millennials. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, so that, that ends follow-up. So, next up, I sent you a link, and you'll put it in the show notes. But uh, uh, National Treasure, uh, Joanna Stern. Had a thing. So she does, she's kind of like the Walt Mossberg of the Wall Street Journal now, where she's their personal technology writer. Um, and she's, uh, she does a lot of stuff with video. And there was a really cool, uh, fun and useful three minute video she did about, uh, I think it was called the six boring holiday gifts you should buy everybody. What was it called? And six boring tech gifts everyone will love. Yes. So. I already forgot what they were because I watched a couple days ago. It was it was like anchor charging cables, uh, screen wipes. What what was the rest? A, a gift card so that someone could buy a password manager. Yes, that was actually pretty good. Although I don't know what, I don't know what dash lane is. So yeah, well let's just, let's, Wait, let's, let's you, get say, you sound conflicted. What, what, what well, is let, let's get into this. I, I've I've very much thought of giving that type of gift before, mm-hmm. but I think what joanna might be underselling a little bit because in the video she sort of you know walks through the process of giving the gift and at the very end she goes oh yeah and then you help then you help them set it up and then she just kind of moves on it's like mm, well yeah this, this. so the setup process with any sort of password manager 
it's it's fiddly and it's it's a it's a big investment at first. I mean, o- over time, it I mean, it saves you tons and tons of time and is way more secure. But like that initial setup process is a little bit of a pain in the ass. So I'm uh. sitting down with someone and walking them through that whole process is. I mean, it's a good thing to do, but it, that's not a um, that's not an easy undertaking necessarily. So hold on, I'm gonna gonna send you a link. So I'm I'm gonna push against this. Um, this like I I've I I've I know old people, or <laughs> I've I've seen older folks that have trouble with the internet. This is the ba- This is the the one password alternative. So it's either using the same password for everything which means they think it's the name of their cat or it's they they write everything down and th- this this seems way worse so i th- i don't think the setup process like i haven't run actually i think i think i've run one password from like a clean start recently and it's it's other than the difficulty in explaining what a master password is and kind of the logic behind that i th- i think it's kind of as straightforward as it possibly could be I don't know, man. Like, cause I think, I think her suggestion of is like, cause how much does one password cost when you don't buy it as part of Eero plus <laughs> uh, one password annual? Um, it's two ninety nine a month. Can't do math. Uh, Oh, Hey, they're one of the few companies that's not forcing you to pay a yearly cause they're trying to boost the revenue numbers. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't force you to, but I think in order, or, or they don't push you. Yeah, but in order. Oh no, to, I lied. Uh, I lied. Sorry. Two ninety nine per month billed annually. There we go. Well, but I th- I thought you could still can't you still buy it outright and just not use their syncing platform? I think they discontinued that. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's I think that's why every, why everybody was up in arms. Like, uh, well, but I, th- I thought that's what it was. Was they said they were going to get rid of that? Everybody got mad, and they said, "Okay, we're going to keep that as an option." I, I, I mean, I ended up migrating to to their platform, so I guess I, I kind of stopped paying attention to it. But I mean, I will, I will happily see that's that's a situation where I will happily provide recurring revenue to to that company because yeah. they're great. Mm-hmm. So okay, so it's so it's thirty six bucks a year. So her idea of giving a fifty dollar gift card for and and just giving moderate setup help, I think if you're that family member or friends go to, I think the total the total hours you're booking for that engagement is is appropriate, and then it like annually pays off. Yeah, it is. It is a. It, it, I, I like the idea behind it for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was that, and then there was there was one other thing where she said buy a gift card. Oh, was it iCloud storage? Yeah, there was iCloud storage, and then the other thing that you didn't mention was she recommended a a mesh network. It was. Um, oh, and she went. She didn't go Euro. No, it was. It, she did Netgear's thing, and it was funny. It was funny with the way the video was shot, where the both the 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 base and then the satellite they were labeled. Well, they were labeled, but they they also looked enormous at first. I was like, "Good lord, they look like the size of a <laughs> like an original Echo or something." But there was another shot where she had her iPhone 10 next to it, and it didn't seem too much bigger than that. So I I, I don't know. It was just a weird camera angle, I guess. But they they looked like they were four or five times the size of the Euro, and I was like, "Geez." Um, hold on. I'm gonna. Uh, how do I get you to send a link? Or, um. Uh, 
if you go to neckgear.com slash Orby, there's... Orby, uh, that's it, what it was, yeah. Because it won't let me copy and paste this image location. Uh, they have it next to a coffee mug, and it's 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 about two and a half coffee mugs tall. Okay. So it's actually kind of damn big. Yeah. Um. Oh, and it's got the PCMag.com <laughs> endorsement. All right. Well, maybe... The, the, the coveted, coveted PC mag. <laughs> yeah, it's just like an Eddie, or sorry, just like a, an upgrade. Um, yeah, this thing is. It's, it's why is it huge. why is it so big? And also, actually, maybe, I mean, I do not like this website. So if you go down to where it says "Find Your Orby," it's this property size. How that that's a weird way to phrase how big is your house? <laughs> huh. Okay. And why why is there a, a dial next to speed? I see it. The, like, the other, shouldn't it be as fast as possible? The yeah. Well, the other thing I the other issue that I have with just asking you for square footage is, I mean, yes, yeah, square footage is is certainly a, a the walls. Yeah, I mean that square footage is a, is a consideration, but I mean in in, in my experience, and I, I've I've had some experience setting up a Wi Fi network here and there. It's mostly walls that are the issue, not the size of the house. So that that's the yeah. more relevant thing and i there's not really like a a little handy slider <laughs> that uh that you can select for that mhm cuz like we ha- i mean we have a you know not a not a large apartment by any means but from one end of, to the other of our apartment with a single router when we first moved in just just did not work at all so yeah well, I'm glad that Nick here's trying something different than the other thing that I linked you to, which looks like it's something that's going to kill you in your sleep. <laughs> then the, the, the Nighthawk. <laughs> the Nighthawk X6S, which looks like has claws or feet on it. And yeah, it's going to kill your entire family. Um, okay. See, so, I guess, so yeah, I, hmm. Some, see, something like this is, is, is maybe a good example of something a handful of years ago i would have gotten kind of excited about from a technical standpoint well to somebody with a gaming pc this looks this looks right up their alley yeah that and i guess if you just absolutely needed like the latest and greatest with wi-fi but i'm i'm kind of to the point where between having gigabit wiring end-to-end across my entire network and having these euros set up I don't know. To me, I feel like networking is sort of a solved problem. <laughs> I don't really. There's not really much more I I need. I mean, I'm sure at some point these euros will become outdated, but for now and for the foreseeable future, I'm I'm kind of content networking wise. You know, like that's just not something I'm looking to continually iterate on. Sure. So. To transition into a proprietary and exclusive, technically correct style type thing, um, what are some things that you what are what are some uh, fifty dollar or less stocking stuffers or things that you think are good buys for the people in your house that are of of average interest and in, not, not I'm not talking about like expertise, but like for the casual person. So I think iPhone cases or phone cases in general is is something that you can never go wrong with. People, most people use cases, and most people that I know enjoy you know putting on a new case every once in a while. So if you're someone who knows what phone they have and what kind of style they like, I think a new phone case is always a good idea. Um, to be a little more specific, I think the Echo Dot or whatever the is it the 
Google Home Mini or whatever. I forget what it, their dot equivalent is called. I think it's just the Mini. Google um, Home Mini. Yeah, I th- I think either of those devices also a- absolutely excellent gift. I mean, I think the dot's been regularly down to twenty nine dollars through the the holiday shopping season here, and I, I think the whole lady in a canister thing is is really cool. Um, and what else? What else would it, what else would be like under kind of like in that fifty-ish dollar range. Um, <laughs> I kind of like Joanna's idea of like cables and sort of like charging accessories. That's that's mm-hmm. not something I maybe would have thought of initially, but when she said that, I'm like, yeah, that is actually kind of a, a good gift idea. Well, no, like when you just go over to somebody's house and you see they have this like super worn-out iPhone cable that has like exposed wiring at the end because they use their phone in bed. Like it's, it's, I, I, yeah, actually spare iPhone cables are always, um, always in need. Um, I guess, yeah, those are, those are the couple that, that immediately come to mind. Yeah. To be honest, I think that probably covers it. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, to me, I view technology gifts as being tricky because as much as you and I do try to get outside the t-word circle when we when we talk about things on the show i still am the first one to admit that my tech preferences are (laughs) much much different than most people's and so i i i don't know i i struggle a little bit sometimes with buying technology gifts for other people because in a lot of ways i feel like i'm gonna buy something that i would want which isn't necessarily what most people would want does that that make sense it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it depends. So, I mean, for uh, the quick one-offs that I might throw out there, just casually, um, if you know somebody who has a, has a work laptop, it's like a nice $40 Microsoft wireless mouse. That's always greatly appreciated. Um, yeah. And, and and the one thing I've thought of, which, which is uh, probably suffers from the thing that you're trying to avoid, is... I don't know. Like, I always feel like if you can find a, a Hubridge on sale for $50 or less, that's an interesting, fun gateway product for somebody who is maybe slightly more technology um, interested, but isn't like uh, that nerdy about it. Well, so I, yeah, I was, I was actually going to bring that up because, yeah, the, the Hubridge, with, especially if you bundle it with a lighter two, that gets to be kind of outside the price range we're talking about. But one alternative is, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm holding the box in my hand right now because I, I did, it just arrived today. Uh, I bought one of the, the Wemo's like smart outlets. Mm-hmm. And this was, I think, $35. And I, I haven't set it up yet because I'm, I'm going to, do that this weekend when we set up our Christmas lights. That that's what I I bought it for, and that I'll so I'll have kind of more thoughts on that next week. But if if that ends up working out well, that could be you like you you pair something like this with you know and obviously like an existing like table light or something, and with a Echo Dot or a, a Google Home Mini. You, that that's you know that's a good little like smart home starter kit. Yeah, it's it's a good thing to tinker with. Yeah, and I. And I I honestly, you know, I I went into buying the Lady in a Canister and that Hue starter kit. I mean, I bought them both on Prime Day and kind of just went into it thinking like, ah, oh, ha ha, this is like a neat little nerdy tech thing to try out. But especially having moved into the new apartment and, and bought more of the lights and gotten the Logitech Harmony hub thing, 
Like this stuff is it's it's legitimately really convenient. And I think it's something that once set up, even totally non-techie people would would really come to appreciate the convenience of. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts of let's say you were gonna stretch the budget a little bit? What do you, what do you think of um Kindle Paperwhite versus low end iPad for somebody? Well, I'm I'm a I'm a longtime Kindle user. I mean, for me, there's a a very clear distinction with my reading habits, where day to day articles and Twitter and email and all that I'll read on the iPad, but long form novels that that's always been on the Kindle. So if you, if you have if you know someone who enjoys reading, I think yeah, I think the, the Kindle Paperwhite's a good buy. Although I would reiterate jason snell's point that he made on upgrade this week which is don't buy it at 120 that 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 thing you know that you should be able to get that for under a hundred dollars now it's it's like it like always goes on sale yeah um i if we if we're if we're stubbing up the price range i think another really good thing to think about is some type of universal remote solution and you definitely don't need to go all harmony hub with the harmony elite like i ended up doing last year but I think some type of, you know, mid-range universal remote is a, is a really nice a really nice buy and again one of those things just like the smart home stuff where even the most non-techie of people could really grow to appreciate the convenience of something like that. Yeah. Um if you don't go for the Harmony Hub, do you still um does it still require USB being plugged into a computer to program? Well, you don't need to go that way. I mean, you you can, but I mean, you can still buy plenty of decent universal remotes where, you know, you're just doing the whole IR code setup. Oh, that, that, that's just as right. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I, I did that not terribly long ago and it's, it's, it's not too bad. But I, I mean, to, to their credit, I mean, I, if, I mean, Logitech is really, and with the Harmony platforms, kind of all I've ever used with the computer-based universal remotes, their software used to just be atrocious. Like it, it was not even like a native app. It was it ran in um, what's what what's what's Microsoft's like Silverlight? Yeah, it was like a Silverlight app. I mean, it was it was bad. But the iOS app, which is really your primary way of configuring their newer devices you can still do it on the computer but but the ios app is kind of the way to go at least for the you know wi-fi enabled devices the, the that those apps are really good and the setup process is is super nice so that that stuff's come that stuff's come a long way still is probably a little fiddly for for most but um it, for the more technically savvy it's 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 good stuff yeah all right so we'll put a pin in this. Um, I will put some homework that we should think about. Maybe uh, what are some good one to five hundred dollar gifts for people? We'll and we'll talk about that next week. Okay. All right. Uh, this is probably more up your alley. Um, it was reported about a month ago that Disney and Twenty First Century Fox were in um, in talks to sell most of Fox's assets to the Walt Disney Company. Uh, and then everybody said that those talks were dead, but rumors started up again a couple of days ago that uh, things are back on and looking fairly promising. So what, what's what's going on? 
So and we'll put a link in the notes to this Ringer article, um, which kind of highlights some of the the implications of of a potential Disney 21st Century Fox deal. Um, I mean, the the part that I find most interesting is is the stuff that this Ringer article highlights, um, which are a couple of areas. One is the um, kind of Marvel universe. It, there's always been sort of a, a weird situation where Disney owns most of most of the film rights to Marvel characters, but not all. So the the biggest example is X Men. Twenty first Century Fox owns the film rights to X Men. So up to this point, with I think one or two kind of edge exceptions, no X Men have appeared in the the Marvel films because the the film rights are separated there. So it would potentially be interesting for Disney to bring basically all Marvel characters under the same uh, film distribution umbrella. And the timing's good for them in the sense that they're going to be kind of at this this fork in the road where they've got Avengers, you know, three part one coming out next year. And then they have the second part of that movie coming out one or two years later. And then that that's kind of the end of their current crop of Marvel films. So by bringing in all these additional new characters, that'll give them kind of a new wave that they could then carry that whole universe forward with. Um, and then the other big thing is the, the kind of streaming service that Disney's working on for launching in 2019. Um, if you combine Disney's film library with 21st century Fox's, you know, that, that really starts to get interesting, both with TV and with movies. Like that could become a, a pretty compelling platform pretty quickly. But, you know, I think there's, there's obviously with, you know, with all the pros, there's, there's quite a few cons, which this Ringer article also calls out, which is, you know, by and large, less, less, um, that kind of different views of filmmaking can can perhaps lead to a bit less creativity. I mean, to to be specific with Disney, I mean Disney has a very obviously kind of family focused, very specific way they like to make movies, and and by and large that works really well. But like this Ringer article calls out, like one of the things that happened with uh, one of the X Men, the Wolverine, there was a a movie that came out either this year or last year called Logan, which sort of told basically his sort of like end of life kind of, or like later in life story. And it was a rated R and it was really dark and it was totally different than any of the other X-Men films. And it's kind of hard to imagine Disney buying onto something like that. Or like the uh, ring article also points out a movie like Deadpool, which I saw and, and really liked, but again, you know, hard rated R movie that, it's hard to imagine Disney would want to be behind. So it, you know, it could potentially stifle some some creativity if you if you brought all of these different properties under the under the Disney name. Huh. Okay. So yeah, that's so does because I know Fox has a lot of um different sub brands and um film studios and stuff like that. So yeah, so does Disney not do anything that's not under the like the Walt Disney name? Like is is the edgiest stuff they do the superhero movies? Yeah, I mean, pr- yeah, probably the superhero movies and like Star Wars, kind of, if, like, especially Rogue One, which came out last year and which was the 
prequel to the original trilogy was was definitely a it was not a not a rated R movie. It was like PG thirteen, but it was you know it was it was edgy and did not you know did not have that stereotypical happy Disney ending or anything. Hmm. So yes, yeah, so, I mean that that's probably a pretty fair criticism that you think that one would think that the artistic direction and kind of the types of projects that would be made, not that um, like other than um, I know Fox has a like it's Fox Searchlight um, production studio that will do maybe more art house is the wrong word, but maybe more indie style movies that doesn't seem synonymous with what the uh what disney does so yeah so that's probably of some concern um and i'm not too familiar with this but is there much antitrust implication in terms of like large entertainment company consolidation or is that since it's like an entirely consumer choice type thing other than like maybe a certain number of TV television stations in a certain market. Like, are there any antitrust concerns here? There are. So this, the ringer article links to a, a Forbes article, which we'll also link to in the notes that goes into some of the nuts and bolts behind why this could run into some antitrust concerns. I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on all the um, issues that it cites, but again, we'll, we'll put this in the notes and, and let, let folks do that homework on their own. <laughs> you can leave people to water, but you can't. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, fairly, fairly interesting. Um, I don't. It, it just seemed it like I, I is I, I haven't followed it closely. Is Fox doing badly? I'm. I I haven't. Um, like what 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 is the business impetus behind this? Because I thought they were two fairly strong brands and while i know there are like some synergies to be had i don't i i maybe just haven't really realized why this is advantageous for either yeah party. i i haven't followed that part of the story either i'm not ex- i'm not exactly sure what's what's driving this decision yeah uh so anyway interesting we'll uh see what happens uh um, yeah i mean i would i would say my overall take is i mean there, there's definitely some concerns but i don't like i don't know disney has bought a lot of goodwill with me with how they've handled star wars i mean they've like star wars is one of my most you know beloved franchises and i mean especially after the prequels i mean that 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 whole universe was just not in a good place and the way that they've turned it around and have put out two really really good movies and you know fingers crossed hopefully a third good one next week um you know, I, I, I've, I've been really, really happy with, with how they've, um, how they've handled it. And again, I'll, I'll hold up rogue one as a really good example too, where like the force awakens was very much like a Disney kind of movie, but I rogue one was not the type of movie that you would have necessarily expected Disney to make. And, but they did. And it, and it came out really, really well. So I'm, you know, again, they've they've bought a lot of a lot of goodwill with me, so I, I'd be kind of interested to see what they would would do with some of these 21st century Fox properties. Yeah, we'll see. This year is all about consolidation. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, moving along. Uh, today's a big day. Uh, the impossible happened. <laughs> uh, what what impossible are we talking about this time? Oh God! Oh, so this this is not about politics. Um, Amazon 
in in italics finally uh released its uh prime video app for apple tv yes yes so this is that is surprisingly not the big story or actually what i want to talk about i'm like i'm glad it's there because there have been a couple of things on amazon prime video that i've been wanting to watch but just haven't because i just don't want to use the tivo app um so i'm excited for that but I, I like my, what I maybe want to discuss more is that like is Amazon like just like the bad friend of the technology world <laughs> because another story broke today about uh, Google pulling off um, uh, like all API support for YouTube on Amazon Echo products and Fire TV and all that other kind of stuff uh, because I uh, let me see if I can pull it up I think I might put this in Slack. Um, we've been trying to reach agreement with Amazon to give consumers access to each other's products and services, but Amazon doesn't carry Google products like Chromecast and Google Home, doesn't make Prime Video available for Google Cast users, and last month stopped selling some of Nest's latest products. Given this lack of reciprocity, we are no longer supporting YouTube on Echo Show and Fire TV. We hope to reach an agreement to resolve these issues soon. So that on its own, kind of, you'd be like, eh, two two large technology companies fighting just because they kind of cross paths in different ways but then when you couple that with the um the apple tv thing where you're like just because uh, apple tv was redesigned i think like in late 2015 and the one glaring omission for what what service is not on this box um was amazon prime video and you're kind of like oh what's up with that and then this summer at wwdc uh there was a slide on stage of like Amazon, Apple are working together. And by the end of the year, I don't know if they said fall or by the end of the year, uh, but Prime Video will be on Apple TV. And it barely happened right now. So in that dispute or relationship, I would have probably said, oh, it's Apple's probably being the difficult one here. But coupled with the Google thing, like just like what what is what is going on with Amazon? Yeah, well, and, and Gruber uh, had a little nugget on uh during fireball today where his posts where he mentioned that amazon prime video was now available on apple tv his little um quip was he's heard that there is a is a really interesting story as to why it's it's taken so long so i i I assume it'll get out there at some point but yeah i i had the same take as you where when you couple this with the dispute that's happening with google and it really does start to make it seem like maybe Amazon's the one that's difficult to to get along with here. But you know, again, kind of similar to what we were talking about with Target, like I, I kind of don't entirely fault them. I mean, they they've they've in a lot of ways earned the right to you know negotiate tough and, and favorable legal and commercial terms for wherever they want their their platform and, and same goes for Google and Apple too. I mean they they they've earned the right to to be tough to work with. But I mean as a consumer of course it's 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 not great to just not have services available across all kinds of hardware and and not being able to buy hardware from Amazon, but I I I guess I don't I don't entirely entirely just you know blame blame one or the other here. It, it's hard. It's hard to pass firm judgment too without knowing exactly what the sticking points are. 
and that that's why I hope it it comes out because it would it'd be really interesting to know like sticking with the Amazon Apple thing here what exactly were the disagreements they had which clearly there were some disagreements they had to work through it just would be curious to see what those were and I think that would give us a, a more complete picture about you know who was who was more at fault yeah um the the tricky part seems to be like it just because when you think about prime video like maybe maybe i struggle to think is this um should this be treated like a netflix strategy or is that the way amazon sees itself um like netflix wants to be like if your device connects to the internet no matter how crappy it is they want to shoehorn the some version of the netflix app onto it and with Amazon, I mean, their whole goal is they want everybody to buy everything through Amazon, and they want people to uh, never cancel their Prime subscription, which is the whole reason why they make this video thing. Because I don't think, like, have you ever met somebody who has Prime because they want the video content? Like, it's a cool side um, side benefit or fringe benefit, but it's I don't think it's the Prime <laughs> not intentional. Um, I don't think it's the key reason somebody's signing up for Prime. Oh, no, yeah, no. So, like, it seems like they should be taking the same Netflix style approach of just like, hey, if your thing connects to the internet and has an MPEG 4 decoder, it, it, we're going to put up a uh, grand tour, whether people want to watch it or not. Spoiler, they don't. Um, the only other thing is because you did, you just mentioned the Daring Fireball thing. He actually just put an update right now, and this actually is fairly interesting, uh, where somebody put on Twitter, uh, I'm half convinced that Apple granted Amazon an entitlement to access a tvOS web view to get Prime Video on Apple TV. It looks and behaves nearly identical to the HTML5 smart TV app that is deployed everywhere. And that actually seems kind of true, because uh, when I was playing with it earlier tonight, it does not feel like a ios or tv a tvos app so that's actually interesting. well it kind of just looks like the same ugly amazon prime video app that's on every platform well sure but uh it at least like even though the netflix one is super custom in a lot of ways it still feels like th like the scrolling like the uh like Gruber even 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 says this where uh the UI doesn't even play sound as you move the selection around. Huh, maybe it is just a gigantic web page, and that was... Yeah, that, that, it's funny because I only played around with it for a couple of minutes tonight, but that that actually that totally did stand out to me, that, yeah, it wasn't making any sound as I was scrolling through. Huh. That? Huh. Like, but why? Like, is was is Amazon, like, like we're going to put literally the bare minimum of effort into this? Or, like... They're Amazon. Like, they employ, like, the entire state of Washington. Like, how do they <laughs> only have joking? Like, what, how – like, because maybe, maybe that was a sticking point. And Apple's like, oh, you have to make a real app. Like, what are you even doing? Because it's weird because it, it, it delivers full 4K video. So, like, why, why half-ass just the internet? Hmm. Um, can I – quick little um, sidebar. Sure. With both Netflix and Amazon Prime Video – why can I not easily just filter for 4K content? Like, I, I get that they both separately label 4K content, but why can't I just literally click a button that says, hey, show me all your 4K content? It, it just it feels unnecessarily difficult to find 
that content, which is just just dumb. Eh, I'm opposed to that. Why? I don't. I don't think you should decide on content based on the video quality. It, I, I no. I I think that no. I I think that's a good distinction. Hmm. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. But back to this Amazon thing. What if like the only 4K content was the Wiggles or something? Like, would you literally watch it just because? Because because it, it looks real good on the OLED TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the bright colors. Like kid. Oh man, how do how are kids not pulling OLED TVs off the wall all the time? <laughs> um. I want a quick little live update here. I, I just did a, a search for Apple TV on Amazon.com. I was going to look that up. D- it does not does not appear to be for sale, hmm. which is kind kind of interesting. <laughs> Although the second item, when you search Apple TV, uh, there's that weird iPod 30 pin iPod dock. There's what? Uh, go back to Amazon.com and search for Apple TV. The second item is the Apple. A product code MC746L Universal Dock, that thing where you could dock your iPod onto it and you could do a slideshow through your TV. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, and goodness. It, and it, oh, God, I forgot that this thing came bundled with a remote. Yeah, that's what threw me. I'm like, oh, maybe they do. And I'm like, definitely not. Huh. 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 It's surprising that the Fire TV stick is part of Amazon's electronics gift guide. That's a really <laughs> sage choice. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, I wonder if that's on Jeff's uh, wish list. Um, okay, yeah. So that's 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 mainly it. But I don't know. Like, yeah, it because I don't. I just don't know if Amazon is 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 being the Microsoft in like its heyday. Like, you know how Microsoft was like, and kind of the way Apple is. Like, every, I think everybody's just trying to be my way or the highway these days, and the customer ends up losing every time. Eh. Okay. So, iOS 11.2? Yeah. Um, you know, last week sort of capped off a, a week to forget on the Apple software front. And, yeah, iOS 11.2 was was so strange where, you know, you, you presume that they probably wanted to put that thing out on Monday of this week, would have been my guess. That's when, like, Apple Pay Cash launched. And I think historically, if you look at, like, major point releases of iOS and and obviously full releases. I think those typically happen like on a weekday at some point. This got pushed out late Friday night, early Saturday morning, I guess depending on what time zone you were in, because there was another bug discovered this time, not in macOS, but iOS, where I guess if, if your phone flipped to December 2nd, there were certain types of push notifications that could potentially cause the springboard to crash and for your phone to go into i guess some sort of like reboot loop if that notification kept trying to get pushed and and 11.2 was the fix i I never got to see this i i was i was out of town but i guess just luckily didn't have any sort of notification like that come through to my phone and i i saw i saw a headline pretty shortly after i woke up in the morning on Saturday and, and just updated my phone to to 11.2 without ever seeing the issue. But again, you combine that with the whole root access issue last week and man, tough, <laughs> tough week on the Apple software front. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I didn't experience the bug, but I knew a few people that did. Um, and, and uh, as, as we do every week uh, to point out, people should go listen to upgrade. Uh, they had a pretty good conversation that I thought was, appropriately negative uh if that makes sense 
Yeah. Or appropriately critical um, or realistic about for, for two people that are generally fairly um, uh, optimists uh, on on Apple related things, even in the face of somewhat negative news or, or, or that type of thing. Um, I thought it was it was a good take on it. Um, but yeah, the, it was just kind of a cascade of just weird things that have happened, especially like just if you look at it this in the entire year. Um, like I did that thing with where like everything you downloaded from the Mac app store, like you had to go and re-download cause like some code signing thing expired. I don't know if that was this year or last, but like Apple's had, had, had a kind of weird, weird year. We all have, but I think Apple in particular, <laughs> um, so that was strange, but apparently 11.2. So the big thing, so iMessage, uh, syncing is still not here. um, but yeah, the the headlining feature, I guess, of eleven point two was is it literally just Apple Pay Cash and bug fixes and maybe a couple of new emoji? Is that it? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of kind of the the headline. And and we've t- we've talked uh, at length before about Apple Pay Cash, but you are you going to register for it and have it as a, yet another peer to peer payment service, or are you not even going to bother and you're just kind of going to plant your uh, flag in the sand on this one? I mean, I, I haven't yet. Um, I, I'm I'm not opposed to if if by some chance all of a sudden there's this wave of friends and family who have signed up for it and that's how they prefer to get paid. I mean, I'm happy to set that up, but but I mean, until until I come to a specific use case where I need it, I I don't have any desire to sign up for it. Got it. Seems it's kind of it's kind of weird too where. You can use a, a credit card with it, but there's like a three percent transaction fee if you do. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I presume it it and I would hope anyway that it makes that really clear when you go to do it. I I haven't tried, but I've just I've read that that's what happens. I don't know. It seems that seems seems strange. So I think like with a lot of these other payment options like Venmo and Square Cash and others, like they don't they don't even think they give you the option of a credit card. They just say, you know, give us your banking details or give us a debit card. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that Apple Pay Cash even gives you the option of a credit card. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get why, but um, for a company that generally um, limits options, it it is kind of curious. Yeah, I, I was, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. All right. One. Actually, we got we got we got two topics, but one will be quick. Uh, this is something we were talking about earlier that you were surprisingly not. Uh, we were not of the same opinion on, so I kind of wanted to touch upon it briefly. So there was a story about um, their new express lanes uh, on public freeways that went live in Virginia or Maryland um, recently, and people are shocked by the high tolling rates. And I thought this was a case of economics at work, but you were of a different opinion. So I'm I'm all for as a resident of the Bay Area in particular all for finding ways of minimizing traffic but I just I think it gets tricky with toll roads where you know roads and freeways are are a public good and it and it feels weird that you were essentially pricing some people and in fact many people out of having full access to that public good like i i just i'm it makes me feel a little like i'm i'm not entirely opposed to it just on principle but i just i, there, I just feel like there's 
additional considerations here that should be thought through? Like, well, I mean, like, like, like the 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 economic consequence of it, where I mean, you're essentially limiting part of a public good to rich people, and that just I don't know, that doesn't. But is it so? Well, I mean, in in an extreme case like this, yes. I mean, I think how so? Because because thirty something dollars is a lot of money to pay to go one way on a on a road. So okay, so this this is part of a broader conversation or a broader topic, and this is something I actually like read up a lot about, and, and I and I very much enjoy, which is like just how you tackle like uh, urban planning and that kind of stuff. Um, and I I don't really see the problem with this because basically what the the government and the transportation um, departments are trying to do is to find a way to uh, better optimize an oversubscribed good, where like we can't just widen the highways forever because again like the the wider you make the highway it doesn't mean people get there faster it means more people will just fill up those spaces and congestion doesn't go anywhere so like what are they supposed to do one of the easiest ways to um force change in consumer behavior is to make the cost of something more apparent or to uh alter the cost of something uh, and add elasticity with demand. So how is uh, congestion pricing at like peak times of utilization for this quote-unquote public good? Like how is that not a good strategy for either forcing people to carpool, which I think either reduces the toll or makes it free, um, or make somebody defer their trip to a time when it's not busy? Like I guess I don't, understand, I don't see the problem with that. Well, I mean, asking someone to defer their trip to a time when it's not busy, or I mean, carpooling for that matter too. I mean, that's just that's not an option that everybody has access to. But I mean, they could use public transportation. They could they, they could do other like there, there are other things that could happen. I mean, I guess I'm I'm not I'm totally not doing this justice, but I would encourage people to look up the actual quote. But but um, Obama had a really good um. I don't, I don't know if this was in a speech or if it was in like a Q&A or is, I don't know exactly what the forum was, but someone asked him, you know, why, why isn't the government like more like Silicon Valley? Like, why isn't it faster moving, more technologically focused, more involved with, you know, research and with improvement? And his response was something to the effect of, well, when you're a technology company, you have the option of catering to really whatever audience you want. I mean, if you're Apple, you can cater. This is me riffing a little bit. But if you're Apple, you can cater to somewhat of a higher end audience. If you're Amazon or Google, you can cater to a somewhat broader audience. But you get to sort of pick and choose who who your audience is. And you can price your products accordingly, etc. But as the government, that's not really your option. Like your mandate is to serve the entire population and again like i just feel like with with a toll road like this i'm just not sure if that's serving the entire population well i mean it 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 can it can benefit people who can afford it and who have the scheduling flexibility or whatever but again that's that's sort of like taking the the technology company route where you get to pick and choose who you want to serve as opposed to trying to serve everyone so the quote is, the final thing I'll say about government uh, will never be run the way Silicon Valley runs because by definition, democracy is messy. This is a big, diverse country with a lot of interests and a lot of disparate viewpoints. 
And part of the government's job, by the way, is dealing with problems that nobody else wants to deal with. So that makes sense. Um, but I, I, I don't think... I don't think that's still necessarily true because I like, and I haven't researched the Virginia thing that closely, but what most um, governments will try to do is the revenue from those tolls goes towards improving mass transit and other means of transportation that overall, like at a like 30,000 feet level, improves transportation for the state and its residents as a whole and if that comes at the expense of um maybe making someone who can't afford congestion pricing like their commute a little bit longer and i guess it maybe somebody who's wealthier can speed right through like i i don't i don't i don't necessarily i don't necessarily see that as a bad thing I, I like, not really. I don't love the idea of limiting someone's access to the road as being a way of somehow making other access better. Like I, I don't know. I, well, I'm not. So, I'm so not wait. Buying so, 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 okay. So let me, let me. So, are you saying? Like, I'm not saying this. I'm not putting words in your mouth. Would you be more open to the road being an entire toll road? Period where there is no speed benefit. Do you think that's fairer? Where everybody has to pay $3 to get on the freeway instead of certain people paying 20 to 30 to get someplace faster. Yeah, well, hmm. I, that, that's, I mean, it's, it's not a complicated yes or, or it's not, it's not a simple rather yes or no answer, I think, because I mean, if effectively what you'd be doing there is, is moving towards like a kind of, pay as you use it model as mm -hmm. opposed to just everyone paying taxes and that all going into into kind of a single pool regardless of how much you use whatever services those taxes are going to i mean I, if you were talking about a situation where maybe taxes were reduced and then offset with a pay as you go kind of model then maybe that would make sense but I don't know if just making all roads toll roads works either. But what if what if tax revenue just hasn't kept up with the cost of actually improving roads? Like what if with the increase in fuel economy like so and that's the whole thing is particularly in California where most of uh the funds for Caltrans in like the California highway system is based off of the gas tax. And since we now have cars that are either electric or hybrids that get much higher um, fuel efficiency, people are consuming less gasoline in that specific regard, yet the st the same exact amount of wear is applying towards the roads. So therefore, the funds available to repair and build them uh, is not matching up with actual use and demand. So, like, so what do they do with that? Nobody's going to approve a gasoline tax increase. Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know, this is where <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm, so, I'm not objecting under the premise that I have a better solution necessarily. I'm just raising some of the other considerations I think that have to be made and why I don't think this is just necessarily like a, a no brainer. Great idea. Yeah. Okay. Then, then last bit related to this, do you have any opposition to, or do you have any thoughts about uh, SF park and the fact and like all 
parking spaces moving to a demand responsive pricing model in San Francisco. I haven't I haven't read this. Well, so they've been doing a trial since about 2009 where they will use sensors in the roads and uh, data about how frequently streets are filled up at different times throughout the day. And then they will use um, algorithms is the wrong word, but they, they will, they will use that data to adjust pricing and make streets that are constantly full, more expensive to park during out uh, throughout the day. And the ones that are emptier, cheaper to help level out um, uh, parking demand. And San Francisco is going to be one of the first cities in the entire nation where all public parking will move to a demand responsive pricing model. Huh. Yeah, I don't I yeah, I guess I I, f- I don't feel quite as strongly about that just because I think parking is something that y- people would maybe have a little more flexibility with as opposed to you know, if you're commute to your job you know, like, especially like, again, using like the Bay Area as an example, I mean, really, like if you live like up in the city or, or north of the city and you work in the peninsula, I mean, it, it's the 101 or 280 or nothing. Like you don't really have alternative options. Whereas with parking, I, you, I, I feel like you maybe would have more options. Like if you parked a little further away and walked or something like that. Hmm. Okay, but then I don't know that that gets into weird issues too. Where you know, if you're someone who's disabled or or for some other reason unable to walk longer distances, that 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 gets tricky too. I I don't know. Yeah, urban design is complicated. Okay, uh, what was the last thing? Get back to my notes. Okay, you had mentioned that you wanted to uh, co-opt uh, slash. We're just we're just gonna we're just gonna steal this from upgrade. You want to talk about holiday traditions? Yeah, I I, I kind of I thought it was a a neat little topic on this week's show, um, and I wanted to see if if you if you had any or sort of what like what what do you most look forward to around the holidays? Yeah, maybe we can kind of reframe it, not like just traditions, but sort of like what do you what do you enjoy doing around this time of year? Um, I think that's tricky. Uh, ever since I moved up here, because I think that things are different when you don't have a house. Not, not that it, like, you know what I mean. You don't have like a house house. Um, I don't know. Like I like around the holidays. Like I, I, I do enjoy Christmas music. I do enjoy uh, decorating. I, I'm a huge sucker for um, Christmas lights and that kind of thing. So I do enjoy that. Um. But other than that, I don't think there's a lot of huge traditions. I do try to go down and visit family whenever when I can during the holidays, but I don't think I have any super unique like I don't know like families that like make gingerbread houses together. Like uh, give me give me an example of something that you think has held on since you moved like out at, like outside of your like 18 years and older lifestyle. I think um watching Christmas vacations a tradition that's that's lived on for me. Um, I always kind of always look forward to, to watching that with, with my sister. Um, I don't know, I guess it, for me, it's, it's, it's the very, like, it's just the traditional stuff. It's the, I, I, and I think actually you bring up a good point about sort of like moving away and, and being in your own place. It's sort of, you know, you, you end up kind of seeing your family a little bit less. And so I think, you know, the holidays, the the holidays are kind of now what I mostly associate with, you know, seeing my family or, you know, kind of associate seeing my family with, I mean, or, you know, vice versa. So, um, 
you know, I think just just being being around family is kind of the 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 big the big thing. So nothing nothing profound on my end, but um, what what do you do in terms of decoration? Like, I mean, do, do you uh, do you guys get a mini tree? Yeah, we do. We actually so we we had an artificial tree for a lot of years growing up, and then we eventually started buying a real tree. But we did so just like at a, a local you know tree lot. But the um. But the the lady friend actually introduced me to the concept of cutting down your own tree, because that's what she and her family grew up doing. And there's a so there's a tree farm not too far north of San Francisco. You go in, you just pay basically one flat price, and it doesn't matter whether you walk out with a two foot tree or a ten foot tree. You know, you just again you just pay one flat price. You find the tree you want, you cut it down, and it's it's kind of a it's a neat process. So, what kind of tree do you guys have now? We have, we the, this weekend is going to be tree weekend. Do you think you're going two two foot or ten foot? <laughs> Not going ten foot. Um, I don't know. I think we end up. I think with something probably in the I don't know six foot range. Something. Oh like wow! That. So you even in a, in a one bedroom, you get like a full on tree. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Oh interesting, cool. Yeah. yeah, the the decorating part's cool, and I think this year, like I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I got one of these. Wemo smart outlets, which I thought about doing last year and and ultimately didn't, but I, I'm 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 kind of kind of excited to play around with that. <sighs> um, okay, that's cool. So okay, so you got you got Christmas vacation, you got you got Buble, you got a standard Christmas tree and that kind of stuff. Um, as a kid, were you a Christmas morning or a Christmas Eve family? Uh, we were mostly a Christmas morning family. I think there were some years where maybe we got to do like one present on Christmas Eve, but the mostly Christmas morning was the big event. Got it. Um, I guess like one other thing maybe I'll add to that. I, and this is, I guess this is just more of just like, uh, things I enjoy about the holidays, but especially living in San Francisco or like just being in a big city, like we were in Denver this last weekend. And it's just like being being in areas like that where there's a bunch of decorations out, like just walking around and kind of enjoying that is, is a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. There's some, there's something super reassuring and, and, and just, and just aesthetically pleasing and it just warms your heart about just, even if it's a, like a commercial area, just like a nicely adorned and lit and festive, like public area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, we 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 can count on corporations to keep the holidays, uh, keep the true meaning of the holidays. <laughs> I'm only half That's kidding, right? Because um, I mean, like I don't know, this this year's been kind of shitty, or <laughs> like just like when when things are terrible, you could still count on you know, just mega corporations to to they they got to sell some stuff, so they they have to 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 uh, sprinkle in the Christmas cheer somehow. Well, they're going to have a significantly lower tax rate now, so they have more even more money to uh well, the, the, spread the holiday well, cheer they're, they're gonna hire people and they're gonna raise wages and they're gonna you know that's that's how that works huh well i thought that's what it was that yeah i mean uh, what else are you gonna do like if your statutory rate goes down and you're you're paying less in taxes like what what like where else is the money gonna go yeah i mean it would definitely not go to executives and your investors definitely not but if, like if you think about it investors are just like elves right Hmm. I'm following. Okay. And and I don't know. Analogy breaking down. <laughs> um. Do you remember the thing? I forget what it was what it was from. Or but like there was a, a some press conference where somebody asked, uh, who who in this room? Like it was it was like a meeting of CEOs. It was some it was some Trump related thing. Uh, but it was one of his like economic people, and they're like, well, like who is going to commit to 
increasing hiring and wages um and like and uh, like of like 50 ceos only like two raised their hands and then one of the trump people said i expected a lot more hands to be raised like i forget what it was but that's yeah okay happy holidays um yeah this this was um i i I think i yeah i I found this this business insider article so it was it was gary Cohn, and he was at a um economic some kind of economic forum and yeah he asked uh whether um they would increase investment if the gop's bill passed and basically no hands went up and he literally asked why aren't the other hands up and they kind of laughed it off and and moved on Uh, (laughs) yeah oh great okay uh okay uh last bit and i won't talk about this at all uh my new my new camera arrived i haven't had much time to do much other than just set it up the way i like so there'll be much more about that in maybe a couple of weeks yes very very much looking forward to to hearing about that yes oh um, the, picture, the pictures you take are going to look great on that oled tv uh, but i can't show them because the burn in <laughs> well you have like a rotating carousel of them yeah but then but then i'd have to substitute the air last last thing before we do chef special uh 4k apple tv screensavers they only like remastered like six of them in 4k so literally all the good ones are gone Oh, I haven't I haven't noticed that. Interesting. It's only Dubai and uh like the like the desert and and LAX. None of the San Francisco ones. Most of the LA ones are gone. Um Interesting. Yeah, damn, I, hmm, I yeah, you're you know, you're totally right. I hadn't thought about that. Su- super disappointing. I don't know cuz like if if it I don't know. Well, they they did a decent job with the the first or the the non 4K Apple TV that came before this of constantly adding new screensavers so hopefully they'll keep adding new ones over time yeah it's been out for three months but yeah okay well we can dream that'll that'll be the christmas miracle (laughs) okay all right show specials let's do it okay um so i will send you the link to mine so this was a um a small little uh black friday purchase that i made Uh, this is called the 12 South High Rise Duo or Duet, I guess. Um, I've been looking for, I, so I, I had one of those iHome docks for a long time, but I, I kind of ended up not being super happy with it because it's, it's pretty bulky and I like never use the speakers on it. And it just, it just kind of just more than what I really need on my desk. And so I was kind of looking for alternative charging methods for my iPhone and came across, came across this, which is, it's, it's really cool because it, it not only charges your iPhone, but it also charges your Apple Watch and it's all kind of in one compact uh, package. It's got a single power cable that then runs to it. So it's really, it's clean. And it sort of just it just holds the iPhone and the Apple Watch in the the perfect position where the iPhone is slightly elevated, which makes it real easy to get to and see the screen. And then it it holds your Apple Watch on its side so that you can use uh, nightstand mode. Which, given that I'm I'm not using my iHome anymore, I'm just using um, the Apple Watch as my alarm, which is really nice. Nice, nice, nice stand mode is kind of an underrated feature of of the Apple Watch, I think. 
So anyway, yeah, then this is it's just it's a really nice, compact, really sturdily, nicely made piece of kit. Um it's a little expensive. It's 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 like one nineteen regularly. Again, I got it on a on a Black Friday sale, so I I didn't pay quite that much, but had it for a couple of weeks now and I, I really uh I really like it. Interesting. Um Yeah, it's pretty cool. With nightstand mode, do you find that the Apple Watch is loud enough? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And it's a very it's a very pleasant alarm sound, the the default sound. Hmm. And it's it's got you know it's got snooze functionality and it it does a, it does a really smart thing right where it it the screen is off at night but then if it senses movement or if you tap the screen the screen will come on which is really smart and then the screen also comes on like in the minutes leading up to your alarm going off so it's all it's all very it's all all very well thought out so it makes a makes a really nice alarm clock cool okay this is this is pretty neat. And I, I really, and I love, I love that single power cable that goes to it. That's, that's great. Yeah. Just kind of helps, helps keep the bedside table uh, nice and clean. Yeah. A little pricey. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I'd say that, you know, helps offset the price is that, you know, the alternative for a lot of people would be to buy like a second Apple watch charger and a separate iPhone charger. And that that all comes built into this thing. You know, you don't need any sort of you know. It's not one of those like bring your own chargers to it. So you save a little bit of money there. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely on the on the pricey side. Also, I like that it makes it impossible for you to spill something on your iPhone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, I have uh two quickies. Actually, actually, no, I'm gonna the other one is a podcast. So actually, I'm gonna table that one. Uh, my pick is going to be, it's not holiday themed at all. Um, I got myself some, uh, old man, uh, Steve Jobs shoes and they're very, very good. Uh, I got myself a pair of new balance 365 Walker shoes and they are, um, insanely comfortable. They're very ugly, uh, but they're very comfortable. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, it was a good change from, uh, what we normally talk about. But yeah, like I, I, I've, I've, cro- I've crossed the point where I don't, I don't need to have cool shoes anymore. I'm just going to go for comfort, and I don't care what they look like, because uh, you know, I don't know. People do great things in ugly shoes. The Carlos Doctrine, perhaps. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because we've already seen that the, <laughs> the Brian Doctrine has been mangled and and, and extended. Uh, <laughs> I, for- I forgot how. Uh, last week people can really re-listen to the show but it is it has been co-opted by f- forces trying to do <laughs> i think you somehow shadily tried to apply it towards the television set i did i did yeah I uh, did. one of your most used devices except this week you've said you barely used it <clears throat> mm. more power to you the, the, oh. that, 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 that hits a little close to home oh the black levels that they're they're good yeah all right. Um, until until next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, I thought I thought you had a I thought you had a second pick of the week. What I, happened? I do have a second pick of the week, but I said I was I was, I was going to table it. Oh God, I was going to table it until next week because it was a, it was a podcast recommendation. But you know, I'm going to give it anyway because people need. Uh, actually, no, this because people are going to be traveling, and you know what? For traveling, people need podcasts. Like a, a good road trip. Like if you're driving from San Francisco, San Francisco to LA or something, and you have like a long trip. Um, you, you need to, to binge on some podcasts. So the one that I've been putting off that I'm going to recommend is, and, and please stay with me. Don't, don't immediately shut this off. 
It's called What Trump Can Teach Us About Con Law. Okay. Okay. So if you've ever heard of the podcast 99% Invisible, it's not that. But it's from uh, uh, Roman Mars, who does uh, 99% Invisible and is one of the people who made uh, Radiotopia, which is a network of really good podcasts. Um, There's a constitutional law teacher uh, named Elizabeth Joe, who... uh, kind of teaches this with him um it's a super straight to the point interesting brief podcast that just kind of takes the news of like it kind of helps you channel that like i can't believe like this uh, this awfulness is happening around us and you know when everybody says like oh the trump administration is so out of the norm and and it's this is people are just so shocked about all this stuff most of that is actually true but this podcast will explain and teach the history behind why what is happening is so abnormal and actually teaches you about the law and the things that you should already know. And what I enjoy about it is that it's not like a like a radio lab or a like one of those ones that's like just super overproduced and over engineered like a type of like teach you something podcasts. It's just two people having a conversation without like a billion audio clips. And it's super interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. This this actually does does look pretty neat. Yeah. I might might add this to the podcast app. Yeah. Okay. Uh, restructure it, man. Uh, I mean, I still gotta listen to that Brian Cranston thing. It, it it's good. Yeah, it's really good. Can I don't I don't know if the Ringer has a business model yet, but if they could make a subscription service where they had just a separate feed for any episode of the BS Report that isn't sports related, like I would be so happy. <laughs> like and i'm not knocking on the sports stuff but like i just wish there was a way to like just filter like this is mainly like just pop culture and other stuff and that would be really that would be really nice yeah i i know what you mean yeah all right but yeah the right to dissent one which is actually the most recent one was a really really good episode hmm. i'll check this out all right until next week people until next week